recording. Um, welcome to Ellie's class, Uniting the World Together, um, the unity. Um, there's really not much introduction because Ellie's here, so we're going to just get started. I'm going to pop in and out, so I'm listening. I just, I have my, uh, my puppies here, so I have to always keep the mute on, but I'm here, and I will chime in as I can. So welcome, Jonathan, and Ellie, it's all yours. Amazing. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jonathan, and I'm so happy to be here with, uh, with the Polva EDU. It's a big opportunity for all of us to join together and to do something special. I'm happy to explain what we did in the previous class because it's really important to go back and make sure that we're internalizing what we're talking about. So for me, it's really to go back is to go forward. Um, just to give an intro like I did in the previous one, that United Souls is a concept and a brand which I think will bring a lot of inspiration to the world right now where there's so much divisiveness and especially like where I live. Maybe I'll give a few examples, but there's been some pretty intense stories just within the week that, you know, since or two weeks um, since we last did the uh, first part of the course. So it's definitely a very um, urgent topic. It's not just a topic which people should just, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's important, you know, down the road I'll get to it. And, you know, it's something which people can, you know, think about. Now, this is, we're talking about real life, like people are dying. Like it's it's uh, a matter of life or death. And obviously we have to live life in a more joyful, happy way. We can't let life get too heavy or you know, overwhelming. Like during this last year and a half with Corona challenge, everyone had their challenges and not let life get too overwhelming. Um, or be overburdened. But now, right now, currently, politically and, and economically and just in terms of the general climate, there's a lot of opportunities for us to work on our, on our ability to, to unify. And that's the focus of the course. The course is to bring concepts of unity, the fact that we have a soul level that people are either aware of or not aware of and need to become more aware of, it's not really, in my opinion, it's not really optional. Um, there's just certain things that are absolutes. And for the sake of humanity, if we understand that truth that we have a soul, by the fact that we go to sleep every day, by the fact that after 70 or 120 years, however long you live in this world, we, our soul goes somewhere. It's not just a, you know, an atheist mindset of it just turns black or something. Or, you know, the, the screen goes off. There's, there's, there is another world that we're tapping into and that we're part of. And it's really important to be aware of that level of our soul is not just for the next world, but it's for now. It's for, for us to live in daily life and to realize it can impact our daily life in a real way. And uh, that's why I feel very motivated to do this because I do feel there's a lack of content on unity online and in the, the global you know, conversation and narrative. And there's also a lack of awareness of the soul. And that could be even someone who knows they have a soul. Like a lot of the people in our Zula, very spiritual people, and in our communities at large, quite spiritually minded, and they have an awareness, but there's always different levels. There's understandings of deeper and deeper parts. And for me, in this course, since this is a, you know, generally a 10 part course, we're going to try to keep it very practical because 
We don't want it to just be a spiritual journey. We want it to be a daily journey for our life. So that's my hope that whoever joins me on these, on these classes will grow in a daily reality of that you can live more unified, that you can be more soulful, that you can connect to people in a more deeper way and really understand yourself in a deeper way and enjoy life that knowing that there is going to be the optimism of the soul, that there is going to be unity and there is going to be a unified experience and it doesn't have to feel so disparate and painful, etc. So this is the main concept of what we're doing here. And just to go over the concepts of uh, last class without getting too, too bogged down in it, but just to touch on it, we started off that in order to access the soul level, we're going to have to become more proactive and less reactive, which once again, any, any, anyone's welcome to jump in and speak and be interactive. That's the whole point of this course. But if you feel like um, that something is not clear or you have something better, a better example, or you want to like be proactive in how you react to the class, because being proactive is, is always the option that I personally am aiming to, to, to guide people towards. And I think it's become a very popular concept in thought leaders nowadays, and especially with a lot of the online gurus and people guiding people in all the different podcasts. And because it's what, I mean, for example, with the recovery world, the concept is taking ownership of yourself and to have that ownership, to be responsible for yourself and not to fall into the narrative, which is very strong now, victimhood and blaming people is actually going to make a massive difference in how we approach everything. I mean, if we would go political, it would affect how we do policy making, because instead of making people into victims, we rather build them and give them the power themselves to, to, to uh, take life into their own hands on a certain level. Obviously, you know, with guidance, but there has to be that, that empowerment. And that's something which being proactive gives gives yourself and gives other people around you. Um, another point is that we have to tap into that, that part of our soul that will give us strength to, to understand that we have the powers to do what we need to do. That we often make put limits on ourselves, like we say that we're not able to do certain things and accomplish certain things, we put those limits ourselves. It's, um, you know, you could call it a self-fulfilling prophecy or people call it a narrative in your mind or way of thinking that you're doing things with certain scripts and people are putting those scripts onto you also and that's limiting your ability to achieve and so when you have an understanding you have a soul that soul's not limited that soul's unlimited it's it's an infinite force and it can be the soul could be called Jonathan the soul could be called Lauren the soul could be called Ellie it has a name on some level cuz what we'll get into in the next part that we covered last week was the idea of having a mission. So one of the ways of understanding a mission is to give a title, to give a name to it. It's not limiting. It's just giving a description so you can relate to it. Like you have a relationship with people in your life, you have names. And everyone knows the importance of names, but it gives a certain definition. So if I would tell you, Jonathan, for example, since you're here, that your name means to get to be a, a a giver to J Jonathan in in the Hebrew language, which is a language I'm going to just use in this example because it will give us an insight into your name. Ah, oh, yes, origin from from the Hebrew, meaning 
Yes, so you're already you're already ahead of my game. It's amazing. So that's the idea of being a giver, and that God gave you the power to give. And if you would know the stories from the Bible, and I'm I'm not someone to start bringing religion so much to what we're doing, but just as just a an insight to your name, since that was the first famous Jonathan in the in the world of history, that the, his name was Johanneton, and Jonathan he was the son of Shaul of Saul. And he was the second to be king. And yet he put his needs um, behind and put the, the needs of someone else ahead of it. That was a proactive choice. He wasn't reactive to his potential competition, which at that time was David the king, or David HaMelech, as we say in Hebrew. He put his own needs on the side and understood that God had given him a bigger mission, a bigger purpose, that he was there to now help David, the king, do his mission in the world. And that was his mission to empower David to do his mission. And that's the idea that God gave him the ability to see that. So he was lived up to completely his mission in the world and his name because he handed over the kingship to David, to David the king. And that was his purpose. Shaul, interestingly, was to borrow, means to borrow. He was actually borrowing the kingship, but he couldn't accept that. So he was fighting with David. So he, he wasn't really fulfilling that part of his mission, which was to hand it over. But his son did fulfill it and handed it over to David the king. And that, that became the kingship for all the generations, even till now, in, the, in our, in our you know, heritage, that's what we believe. But the point is, for you, as your name's Jonathan, to understand that you've been given a lot of gifts and you have a power to help other people tap into those gifts. That's just an example of one name. And a person can go into many names and understand a lot of deep understandings. And I would use some of the more ancient mystical texts to understand those things because it's, it's like a treasure trove that people are choosing to ignore for whatever reason, or maybe they're not choosing, maybe they just denied it. Like I grew up, um, honestly, no access almost to any of my own tradition and I didn't know about any of these concepts. So I could have become a victim and, and it was hard for me initially because I had to catch up so much on my own heritage and my own ancient wisdom that was never really taught in front of me in a, in a deep way or a profound way or in a meaningful way. It just seemed very irrelevant. Like as people say nowadays, fairy tales or whatever. But once I realized, thank God, when I was around 18, 19, I had a certain you know, lifestyle change. I, I came to Israel and I chose to delve into my heritage and delve into my own treasure trove of wisdom that's in my own backyard, not having to go to some other place like in India or some other place to check into other religions. Because I did do a lot of research sitting in university before that into other religions. I was like, no, I'm going to look into my own thing and see what it's about. And that gave me ability to be proactive in my religion, like my own spirituality, as an example, rather than blaming people around me. Why didn't I learn? Why wasn't I given that education? I went and educated myself and it wasn't an easy choice. It was hard. People were against me doing it. A lot of family, they even sent me to psychologists and rabbis and all kinds of people to talk me out of it. And um, it was a difficult choice, but I was proactive. I kept pushing and made my way to Israel, made my way to Jerusalem, found a way to support myself and my, eventually my wife. And it was been a struggle. And bit by bit, people are started to understand from my own background that there's, there is something to what I've done, even if they haven't chosen to follow me. 
but they've seen that there's been a lot of goodness and, and positivity generated from that initial challenging time period. And that's often something which, you know, everyone's going to have to go on their own spiritual journey to figure out where, where the light of their soul is. But the point is that the name is a very big indicator. And that would be just one example of being proactive of, of living your mission, which is the second point we discussed, is to tune into your soul message, your soul lesson. And I feel like me personally is even till now, and you think after say 20 something years, you're involved say in a certain lifestyle, it would get a bit repetitive or boring, but no, what happens is, if you open up your heart to the flow that's entering this world constantly, which is, a, as we've explained, is a soul experience, that flow is constantly impacting on our choices and how we live. And there's often a very profound um, flow that really indicates what our mission is, what our purpose is, what is the message of each day. And that in itself can help us because then we're living in a more uplifted mindset. We're not so caught up in what does the news say, what is it, what's the new, you know, social media trend. We're living on a, a more internal level that we're actually looking at from the soul, the wisdom within is guiding us much more than you would allow the external messages to, to guide us. And to understand once you're doing that, then the things around you start to click in that even the messages outside of you start to make sense. Even if someone phones you or messages you or we're doing this course today, it starts to have a flow. And that, for example, for me was a very powerful way of becoming more proactive because I wasn't reacting to my life. I was taking life into my own hands on a certain level and deciding to be more, to be more soul focused, to be more caring, all the different attributes of the soul that we'll get into, the idea of having a mission, it gave me a different focus in life. And once that was the last week's class, we've done that private victory of really working on our internal world, that we're more in touch of who we are, then we can start taking it out public. Because to really impact other people on a, an effective way, we can't do that unless we're more grounded in ourselves and who we are. Now, say, for example, there's a lot of people out there who become famous and they haven't done this work. Well, you can just you know, just look into what's going on out there in terms of the young superstars and how hard their life has been um, and having fame so young without grounding themselves and getting in touch with themselves and then what takes place after that. And unfortunately, we're in a culture that's encouraging you know, people to want to be famous. Like if you ask a young kid nowadays, I've heard that, I mean, Lauren can help me with this, but they don't necessarily want to be like firefighters, which is a very altruistic, amazing thing, or police officers, or, sorry, or, um, yeah, sorry for that delay, that was someone trying to call me, and I've told that person not to call me now, but they did it anyway. So you have the idea, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to be reactive, that's the whole thing. So the concept of being able to ground yourself in your lifestyle, that you are in touch with your inner essence is a whole different path. And people don't know, people like in school system, for example, aren't taught that path. They're not taught that they can meditate generally. There's no, there's no meditation instruction or spiritual instruction in school or understanding that they, uh, the victim mindset is not a good way to go. That 
you know, it's it's almost it's a different challenge in the school system what's going on without getting too heavily into it. But the main point is, if you ask a kid, what would you like to be? I'm sure it would be I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a TikTok celebrity. I want to be like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the vogue and the trend is. And that's um, unfortunately something which, you know, if you have children, if you or if you even the inner child within yourself, you have to discuss that. You have to work that out. Like, what is it I want to be? That's the mission statement. That's the values, the goals, the dreams. We have to really want something that's a bit more meaningful than those things we just mentioned. Now, if you're going to become a YouTuber and you're very influential in a positive way, amazing. I've got no issues with all those things. There are people on TikTok, I'm sure they can accomplish amazing things as well. But the point is, it's in essence, they're seeking out fame. And that's the opposite of what we're trying to do here, because it first things first, you have to get in touch with the soul level to be able to then be effective to be an effective influencer to be able to help people with their life you have to first know your own life and that's something which takes a lot of learning and research and development and i feel like thank god i'm 41 now um so i feel like after 20 years or more living in this holy city in Yushalayim in jerusalem and being gone through so many intifadas and going through so much, you know, building my own family and being connected to wonderful people like Jeff and Lauren and all these amazing people I've had the merit to meet here, living in Jerusalem, physically meeting them here in Tel Aviv or, or meeting, going back to London where I'm originally from, my first 20 years of my life and reconnecting to my past there. I feel like I've had the opportunity just personally to really learn a lot and develop a lot and be guided a lot. And therefore I feel in the right place only now at 40, 41, ready to now start teaching outwards really my message and what my brand of United Souls, I only feel ready now. And it really, honestly, that would be my flow that it only came together now. So I'm just saying this as an example for me, my personal example, that you might say, well, wait a minute, I'm a, a bit older now, like I'm in my midlife or whatever. No, this is the best time now because you've really accumulated a lot of life experiences. You've got a lot of wisdom. This is the time. And a lot of people, you know, God forbid, they, they sort of like, you know, feel, well, I, you know, I'm not like a young guy anymore. I can't compete with a new generation. You totally can. Because if you look at the economic reality, what's going to be valuable, and this is based on big thought leaders nowadays, it's going to be being versatile and having emotional intelligence. And building that emotional bank account, building that emotional intelligence is not dependent on how good looking or anything external or youth or anything like, like that. It's going to be based on inner content. And that's what we're doing here. That's what we're going to discuss. Everything here is inner content. It's nothing um, superficial. And that's one of the good things about our communities. We stay away from politics because politics often, the problem with politics is generally it's superficial. It's a, or dogma. It's not something that's actually coming from real content, from real action, from real life. And uh, that's why it's a healthier place to be, these kind of platforms, than a lot of others out there right now. And I believe that if we develop the unity concepts in a very clear way, and we do it as a group, because I can't do it by myself, you know, that's my next point. That I can't do the, the, the public victory by myself. I need to join with others to do that next level. And that's what we're going to discuss coming up. That's going to be the focus of this class. How do I get my life 
effectively focused that I can then go pub public with my mission. So that's where we're holding at now. That's today's class. I hope the first two points were clear. If you have any questions, please ask um, throughout, but right now would be a good time as well. What were the first two points, just to summarize? Being proactive and mission statement, having a mission, having a goal, having clarity, and it's a lot to do with being in touch with your inner soul level. So that would be the, the beginning of the class and the previous class. So now we're going to go ahead to the next um, third point. Third, yeah. Um, so, you know, my my history before this, or the, yeah. you know, my job before this was I was an early childhood teacher. So I worked with kids mostly threes and fours, and then I um, taught in our after school Hebrew school. So I taught the gamut of people, you know, up until adults and families. Um, the emotional intelligence that you're talking about, like I see it forming when the kids are little. And I, even in a three-year-old classroom, we were battling against the victimhood. And it's so sad that that's what they took in from their world so far. And there are only three. Yeah. And they really took on that role of, you know, yeah. woe is me, I can't do anything, everybody hates me, or whatever it was. And, you know... I always felt that that was our power as their teachers. You know, we were able to really take their little universe in our classroom and we were able to, um, we were able to create a safe place. It went as far as, you know, like rewriting superhero stories and rewriting all kinds of things because they needed powers, you know, they needed to know that they were powerful and that they weren't the victim. And we used to, it was a Jewish school, Jonathan, so there's a lot of Hebrew that we would use in there, but we would walk around saying, you know, my superpower is chokhmah, is wisdom. wisdom. I'm, yeah. I, know how to, I know how to pick up a rock and break it apart and see what's inside. That was my wisdom. And the other one would say, um, I have derech um, eretz. I know how to relate to other people. I know kindness. Um, and I think that Look, we started this generation of children I was teaching for like 22 years. So like they've had this growings in them, but it gets lost somewhere. It's almost like when they go to public school or they go to private school or they just go to school. There are so many other influences because there's not enough of it at home. Yeah, so these are all real points, Lauren. And I think that the education story of how to bridge what we're doing here to the next generation's that are coming up now in this technological, you know, immersion that they're having yeah. is, is going to be a massive, you know, uh, uh, challenge for all of us as parents or educators. And I think it's definitely something we should discuss more. Um, but once again, what, if I feel that I'm giving over to my children that inner relationship, that they are able to connect themselves also to their soul level, then I feel like I've accomplished a lot. So then whatever they go through, they themselves are now holding themselves accountable rather than blaming on the parents or the teachers. Right. And that's an amazing accomplishment. So choosing superheroes, like as an example, like they even say Wonder Woman, like, I mean, she's a very pretty woman. So that sort of distracts, <laughs> that distracts the man a little bit. But if we would look past that and say the message behind it is that the, a woman 
can be empowered and have power and doesn't have to become like defeminize herself, but she can be totally a woman, like a wonder woman. She's not losing her woman qualities, like she's only enhancing them, yeah, and becoming more powerful and defined and strong and not being taken advantage of. So there's a lot of good lessons we can learn from that that can help a young girl realize she can also be a wonder woman in her own way. And, you know, you just do the same thing. Like, the, I don't know if Superman's popular anymore, but I, I'm hearing that Marvel, unfortunately, and all the different demographics of that is now being wokeized or whatever you want to call it, without getting political, but it's being moved into the hands of agendas rather than what I grew up with was, like, legit superheroes. You know, like, it's that, that, that's being looked down upon, unfortunately. So there's been a lot of changes in that respect, that things that we, we took for granted growing up are now going through a lot of change. But the positive side of that is that change can lead to clarification, that if the new generation is, once again, connected to that soul level in, in a sincere way, like you are a role model for that, and they start to develop it themselves, then they will start to make their own clarifications of all these systems and media powers out there. We, we shouldn't underestimate, that's what I'm saying, the power of the soul and all the seeds you planted. Every seed that Lauren or any other educator plants in a child, it will bloom. It will get through all the weeds, it will get through all the distortion, it will bloom. I've seen it as a, a teacher of teenagers at risk and young adults, I've seen that the, those, someone in their past planted the seed, someone like Lauren, planted those pure seeds into their, or their grandparents, somebody somewhere planted some good seeds into these people, or themselves awakened the soul level, and they came alive, and they suddenly became amazing people. And they, not only that, they used all that last however many years of pain and, and addiction to whatever they were busy with, they used it now to help others who are struggling. And that's an amazing thing that the soul level often has to be immersed in the darkness on some level to but then once it's gone through that pain and darkness, it will take those lessons out from there. It will take out certain deep messages and deep, deep realities and deep empathy and deep pain from those experiences and will then have that knowledge to help others. So it's often the people that have gone through the challenges and the struggles that we're going to see this new generation go through on a level we can't even imagine, they're going to actually come out with tremendous tools to now help all the people suffering and, and stuck and limited. They're, but it's once again, it's, it's dependent on them being aware that they have an unlimited power that will give them that strength to overcome their limitations, that they, they are superheroes and they have that power. And uh, I believe in that 100%. So I, um, that's part of what this course is about, is getting people to be proactive and to believe in their mission that they have amazing powers to do what they need to do in this world. That will lead us to this point that the class is on today, which is living effectively and being focused and knowing how to use our time in a way that's priority. And everyone has a challenge with this, especially now. Because technology, as we learned from The Social Dilemma, has documentary on Netflix, has been built to take away your time, to completely manipulate your time. That's what the media giants, the tech giants are doing. So we have to really understand how valuable time is, how time is a gift. 
that we're only given a certain amount of um, moments in this world to accomplish. Every moment of life is an opportunity. And we have to remind ourselves our priorities, which is very much to do with the previous point of the mission statement, our goals, our dreams. If we're clear about that, if we're clear about what we're here for, then we'll prioritize correctly what we're supposed to do with time. That's the idea of first things first, as Stephen Covey so cleverly put it, to really know what your priorities are. And I know myself, for example, during the daytime, I try not to watch just whatever on the media. I try not to binge anything. The daytime is there for work, for family, for only at the end of the day will I give myself that luxury. And hopefully, if I'm disciplined enough, I will use that end of day to do other things that are personal, like write my book or edit my book. I've been a bit lax this week, I have to say, admit. So we all have our ups and downs with this challenge. But we have to remind ourselves, and that's one of the good things about doing this course, is it gives us a time to stop and remind ourselves what our priorities are. So I'm, I'm going to tonight, now, when I get back after a lot a busy day, I'm not just going to go and just watch whatever. And even if I am watching whatever, I'm going to have my phone with my document open with the airplane mode on so no one can phone me. And I'm going to edit my book. And if someone tries wants something from me, I'm not available in that moment. This is my book editing time. And I might have some background noise or whatever, but this is my... So whatever it is that you're prioritizing, whatever your mission is, you've got to be all in. Like, there's no, you know, there's no half heart. There's no room for it because the, the world is, is making its claim on our time and on our life and our choices. So we've got to really be all in. And that's why I mentioned here in my uh, course that we have to be obviously real with ourselves. Yeah, the, you have to truly know what is good for you because if you're not real with yourself, you can go a bit crazy on this point. Like people make time management classes and they go really full on, on in very rigid ways of what's priority and then they're not real anymore and they can actually undo really what their real priorities are. For example, people get really obsessed with the work and then they ignore the family or people get really obsessed with, you know, a certain project and then they ignore, you know, the work and the work is the actual obligation. They're legally contracted to do a job for this company and you can't just say, no, no, I don't, you know, I've got something more important. Like, for me, my job, you know, I have a paid job, thank God. And my job is to bring, thank God, I'm very blessed. One of the main things is to put out a lot of content of soul, of amuna, it's called in, in, in Hebrew, to put out a belief that, that we have a soul. That's really my job. I mean, what a blessing that someone's willing to pay me to do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously they have their, their agendas in their, in their company of what they want to do and accomplish. And I help them with that without, you know, complaint. But the point is that the essence of my work and my boss and who I do my weekly class with, it's called Amuna class. It's a whole class just helping people have more Amuna, faith, universal awareness of the soul. And we bring in all kinds of people. It doesn't matter what and who. And we bring them in and they have an experience of the soul through music and through talking about deep subjects. Right now, the, the main focus is on all the tragedies that have happened here. And we're trying to work out, like with many people 
you know, passing away for sad reasons and the current crisis with the Middle East challenge and everything going on, what can we do in a proactive way, again, being proactive, that fits within our mission statement, what can we do to, to overcome this hard time that we're all going through? So this holy man says that the main hit in his opinion, and I'm just sharing this just because it's an interesting way of looking at the current situation, he believes that it's by being devoted to loving people with full devotion, that completely dedicating your time to loving other people. That's what he believes will undo a lot of the pain and the problems of the current situation we're in. Now, I take that statement from my boss, and I'm very happy because that fits everything my personal projects and mission statement is, which is unity, which is uni uniting souls. Okay, so he's saying in a practical way, devote your time to loving other people, which totally is the flow of what I'm trying to do. So I'm very happy that my boss is heading in a direction that totally fits my flow in my personal project. So there's no contradiction. So everything I'm doing in the Unity projects fits with my boss's projects because it's all one concept in the end. It's all one focus. And even what he wants us to do practically is developing more connection with humanity in a way that's love-filled. So that's just an example of, of, thank God, of where once you start sinking into your priorities, like when I mean sinking, uh, like not as S-I-N-K, but S-Y-N-C-H, like be really synergizing and joining into your priorities of what life's about. So then you'll start to see that everything around your life supports that. Even your job, even the, the Zula, like the Zula is totally a very unifying experience. We're, we're there, as we spoke about last time we met, two weeks ago, we spoke about um, the idea of unity in the, in the Zula, that we shouldn't, and even Lauren mentioned it when she gave over the rules, the idea of unity, and it made me very happy. That, and people even gave me some feedback that it helped them empower them, what they need to do, their next step. This is giving, giving them that push to go into what they need to do. It gave me a lot of encouragement. They mentioned it in the Zula. So I was very happy to see that the idea that the Zula is giving us a space that we can feel safe and that there's some sort of guiding force from Lauren and, or Jeff that we should use that time in a prioritized way that it shouldn't get sidetracked into politics or things that are make people uncomfortable. And we come out the Zula ready for the next hour of our life or the next half an hour, the next 30 minutes or whatever it ends up becoming what we're doing next. We've got what we needed from the Zula to go ahead. And I find the weekly Zula very helpful for my end of week, you know, like chill. And so I can get to a more relaxed state of mind for the weekend. And I'm really appreciative that it's, that it's heading that way way on a weekly level so everything starts to flow in that right direction that you are tuned into and that is taking the ideas say of Tim Ferriss and Stephen Covey and all these gurus out there about how to be more effective in time management but the more important point is that you're not rigid about it you're not stuck in it that you can't open yourself to what's in front of you and what the flow is so if a child needs attention right now that's probably what you need to do right now. And even it could be like you see some, someone put up a video online once and this guy's walking down the street and he's ignoring every single opportunity to do kindness and to help people. 
and it just it just creates this horrible reality of everything around him. He misses the baby carriage and someone has to go running after it, almost gets hit in the road. He misses everything because he's not paying any attention. He misses the old lady, she almost gets run over. Like He misses everything. And then suddenly he wakes up to, to his reality and he's able to now like do kindness. And the whole day flips around. The whole day is now him helping, and all those people have now better days. So his sphere of, sphere of influence is elevated from that. And that's an amazing thing, that we, that we have that power to, to elevate our life and bring ourselves to that point of, of clarity, that we are living our purpose, and time is only helping us. It's not preventing us because we are flexible to tune into what the, the moment is asking of us. So, you know, I, I, for example, I help book artists personally, yeah? And right now my artist has a gig right this minute, yeah? He's meant to be there at a, a program and he's meant to be creating a video feature and it's going to be quite a lot of money. And that guy, the artist and the person hosting it, is phoning me during this Zula, yeah? And I told them both, please do not call me because I knew. I, I'm experienced enough in the booking world that usually when you have a double booking, you like, I'm doing my thing, so I'm not available, that there's something that's going to come up that's going to want them to want to call me. And that's what's happened. It, and they're you're ignoring my request, both the artist and the client, not to call me. And they're calling me. Now, I've given them both the phone numbers to call each other and to arrange it directly. But often as a booking agent or a manager or whatever, when I've been involved in this business, people are not going to accept that you want to be, have your own time. They don't want to accept. They want to take over your time. Yeah. And they want to insist that you suddenly become part of their time. And it might not even be one, monetarily worth it for you. Two, it might not be suit you right now. Emotionally, you're not in the mood to deal with their their choices and their, like you've created the booking, the booking set up, everything's good. All they have to do is turn up and do what they have to do. If there's an issue, phone each other. But they don't. They turn back to you. You get it sorted out. No, you this, you that. I'm sure it's happened to everyone here on some level, you know, on, on their business interaction. Suddenly you're being put in a position where you don't need to be in this position because you've done your due diligence. You don't need to do more than that. And you're not being paid to do more than that. You're not in that position. Now, this is where we get tested. This is where our time management and our focus on our first things first, our priorities, gets challenged. And part of my journey as a, working with artists is to educate them, and it's the same with what, whoever you're working with, is to educate them that I have my boundaries and to be clear about them. And they might be upset. And even if they move on and they're not interested in you anymore for whatever reason, but you're being real to your mission and that will give you that ability to believe in your mission. You won't get burnt, therefore, because you're not, you're not dependent on anybody. You're interdependent. And interdependent is a very deep thing. We'll get into it. But the idea of being dependent on people is a mistake. We, we mentioned it maybe a bit in Azula, like with you know, relationships with people. To, if we become dependent on people, that's not the right way to live our life. We have to be independent. And once we're independent, we have to realize that now we're independent. That's what we're saying by becoming more in control of our inner world, more in touch of our inner world. That's the one place we have control of. 
then we can go and be interactive with other people and become interdependent. Then we're ready for the public victory of going out there and being successful in our business and, and whatever we're doing in a public way, we can then join with others. And that's why we, after we've done all this inner work, which we just mentioned three important points of being proactive, having a mission statement and priorities, time management, time focus, that's the third one, living more effectively, then we can go public. Then we can go out to the level of win-win and, and be interactive with others and start working on the public sphere, which is what we'll get into in the next few weeks, the next times we meet, how to be more effective publicly, because it, it's not gonna work if your priorities aren't there. Yeah, it's not going to work if you haven't got a clear system. Like even how you're going to run the Zula. How are we going to run the Zula? If we don't have it clear, fine, it's a learning curve, that's for sure. We're all here to learn. But if we don't have it clear at some point, it's going to get challenged and we're going to have to clarify it more. And the more clear it is, the more effective and successful it will be. And the same with every business. It, this is, it's all about our awareness and clarity. And that's why when I began this, I mentioned the soul level, that by having an a connection to the soul level, the soul itself communicates this kind of clarity. So you don't have to feel helpless. You don't have to feel like, where am I going to get this information from? You know, I'm going to have to find some holy person or I'm going to have to go read this book. This is an underestimation of ourselves. We have a lot of inner wisdom within. A lot, a lot to do, as I'm sure Lauren knows, of teaching children is how surprised you are how intelligent children can be because they have that inner wisdom within and they have that inner purity they have that inner clarity and it's just a matter of just sort of nurturing it you don't have to go change them so much you don't have to go force them to be something they're not it's about no yeah no but but you're right um ellie because it's about nurturing what they already have because as we grow up and we walk into this world and we feel insecure, we let go of all of it. Yeah. Like the, when a three-year-old looks at you and says, I like your hair, but I liked it better the other way, they're not <laughs> being mean. They're yeah. telling you from the bottom of their toes what they feel. So and true. Our reaction is... They're being you know, honest. You might. That is so they, true. Look, I'm a heavy person, so children love to look at me and go, why are you so fat? Oh. I'm like, I like to eat. So go, well, <laughs> my mommy says, and then yeah. you hear all of this junk that they have in their brain That's about what food does to you and all this stuff. So there we are trying to like, un, you know, unclutter it a little bit and go, look, people are people. This is what happens. That's okay. good. We're good. That's really, but, really profound because I know even I've got some kids who are a little bit older who still have that childish, child, so excuse me, that childish purity to how they speak, that they'll say things, and it actually comes from a very pure level. Like the system doesn't get them because it's not, no. it's not about no way. But it's just all about how much you remember and all this kind of stuff. It's not they're not they're not understanding. There's a certain purity to this soul that they just look at things on a very pure level, and it's very beautiful, you know. Um, so we can, we can definitely work on that child inside of us, for sure, now that we're adults. Um, and that's often a lot of the inner work as well. But I, what I want to say is that, just to get back to the course, that I believe very strongly in this next level, the win-win one, is where a lot of people in business and life are going wrong. That they think that it's, the competition out there is that I win. 
And what I've learned is it's all about collaboration. It's all about working with others and, uh, and being real with where people are at to work with. You know, like I, I'm often making assessments or, or testing where I work as, you know, as blessed as I am to have the job I have, but the infrastructure where I work, there's a lot, a lot of problems, a lot of problems with the, the personalities, the culture that Israel has produced. I'm not saying always and always, but a lot of the Israeli culture, they've grown up in a war-torn country and, you know, it's been a very big struggle to live here. So they've come out with a certain like competitiveness that for me is not healthy. And I've had to learn how to make my boundaries of that with them and to learn how to get the best out of them without getting into that and just getting them through compliments, through being very clear in my instructions because I'm a, you know, a director of a program to get them to do what I need them to do without it becoming a conflict, without it becoming a weekly struggle, that rather they get, they get the point of what they need to do without me having to be confrontational and it's just about keeping focus on the collaboration of what we're doing together and what we can accomplish together rather than what they're not doing and what they don't know. And it's given me a lot of win-win results that I'm consistently producing results in my company, even when, the, even when it looks really not good, like the website's busted and not working and like serious stuff's going on within the infrastructure and employees have left and you're starting to think, oh my God, how am I going to put out a week of content, you know, when a lot of it's crap or not working? And excuse my language, but that's, that's when you collaborate, you bring out the best from the people around you. Suddenly other people from outside suddenly collaborate because you've got good relationships with a lot of people that you've collaborated with before. You've already done a lot of good things for people without pay just to help people in the past and suddenly now they're there just in time to, to help you in that time frame. There's a lot of win-win opportunities and work. And it fits my mission statement, which I already told you is United Souls, is to unify with people. But it works in a practical level on business. because, And even more so relationships, you know, like with your family. You know, everyone's different. <laughs> people are not going to do what you want. You know, if you're married, or you're not married, they're not going to do what you want. And trying to control people is a massive mistake. That's where this whole political structure has gone completely wrong. They're trying to control people through whatever means possible. That's not going to work, and it never has worked, never will work. People got to get that straight. And I know myself for relationships that I have to let people go on their journey of learning and choice with my children, with my wife, they have to choose what they're going to do in marriage or what they're going to do as children. They have to come to that awareness. Um, and that's a big lesson of the soul, that the soul is very patient, is very compassionate. The soul is very kind and very understanding and, and is always looking at the long game, long term. That's a very important lesson you can learn from the soul, that the the soul is eternal, so the, the long term, the long picture is much more influential than the short term. And that in itself is very connected to time management, effective time management, is understanding the, the priorities are usually the long term things. The priorities are usually the long term relationships, the long term business goals, 
the long-term educational goals, the long-term focus. And that would be the same with everything going on in Nazula. It has to have a long-term goal. And if you keep that in mind, then you won't get overwhelmed by the short-term, you know, challenge. I mean, right now in Israel, for example, <laughs> yeah, like Israel, you know, there's a lot of short-term stuff going on. My wife went to give a present to her driving instructor. She just passed the driving test and she's going to drive me to a wedding now. So that's a very big positive plus for us in this last week. But she went to go to the driving instructor because she didn't manage to give it to him before the test. And she went out of her way, decided she's not going to drive there because it's driving past an area which is a bit more dangerous and she'd rather get on public transport. And on her way back after making the driving instructor so happy, yeah, which is already being a kind person, going using her time to do that kind of kindness. Suddenly she sees someone running onto the tram, screaming and crying, and seeing someone being chased with, a, with a, someone holding a knife being chased by police and had gunshots. And so thank God the tram doors closed. Someone did come in who looked very suspicious. So she was very, my wife was very scared that she was with that, he, that person was with the person with the knife without getting into who was who and what. But the point was, for this course, one, life is so precious, you never know what's going on. But two, my wife said afterwards that she felt that because she was doing something very kind and giving, there's no way that that could have turned into a tragedy for her. That was something positive. And it, it, she just felt like she was on a flow that even though she was aware of this nightmare situation going on around us, but she was confident enough in her mission and her flow that she's on the right path. That she was two minutes before where the stabbing happened and then two minutes after away from it. Yeah, so she wasn't there at that moment. So fine, it was very traumatic. This just happened yesterday and I had to give a class right afterwards and I spoke about it there. But the point is that life is a gift and there's going to be a lot of short-term stuff going on like this kind of current crisis we're in here in Israel but the long-term game is peace the long-term game is to be able to live effective happy lives together to learn how to collaborate to learn how to work with all kinds of people and all kinds of cultures and all kinds of different religions and missions and that's the long-term game and if we keep that in mind no matter what whatever we're going on even if your my initial reaction, like when the tragedy happened, where 45 people were crushed, my initial reaction was the police. They, I'm angry with them. Or yesterday, the police are heroes because they, they killed the guy with a knife. And I'm angry at those people that were wielding the knife. Yeah. My initial reaction is anger, like I'm a human being. We've got human realities. But my long-term reaction, my goal is to work on that anger, not to give in to it, not to become it. And to, to go the long-term game of peace, of positivity, of finding a way to find unity. And that's my first reaction has been really to this whole thing. How have I been proactive? I've, I'm asking people now for unity content. Give me content that represents unity in the world. I, enough divisiveness online. Yeah, I see this person did that wrong and I see that. All right, yeah, yeah, I get the point. Everyone's doing wrong. Okay, you're, you're doing amazing exposing everyone's wrongness. But what... It, are you going to do about it to build bridge gaps? So what are you going to do about it to bring the, the, the dialogue to a higher level? How are we going to learn how to communicate better? 
How are we going to learn how to get along? How are we going to learn to defuse this escalation in a way that actually has long-term results? And that is something which, you know, I'm on that journey myself. And I have a responsibility. So I'm just bringing this as an example that the long-term goals influence how you react and how you post and how you present yourself publicly. It affects your ability to not just go be reactive and start posting online all these rants and ravings about this thing and that thing. No matter how justified you feel, all you're doing is being reactive rather than proactive. You're not looking into your long-term goals. You're not looking into your mission. You're not looking into the, the, long, the long game of what we're here for, the win-win. And, that and that's generally what's going on out there, unfortunately, you know, just to be honest. And that's where we can set a new trend. And that's where we can influence our sphere of influence positively. And I think if we can learn that today, we'll live in a much better world. And because if we can communicate it and apply it, it will, the world will improve and we won't be stuck in this painful situation long term. So I think, I think that's a good example from real life that's going on outside my window, literally, that um, can help us in our life. You know, um, I would say, like, in our personal relationships, same thing. The long term is peace. So there's no point posting a negative post about that person just because, you know, I, I hope I've never done it. I hope I've never been politically negative or posted ever online of all the posts, thousands of posts I've done. I really hope I've never done it. If I've done it, I, I, you know, please forgive me. I didn't mean it. It was a mistake. And that's the kind of mindset that we can make this world more unified. And the soul starts to influence. The soul starts to communicate more. And we can, humanity starts to learn to communicate as souls rather than money-driven animals or whatever, whatever the alternatives are. Um, yeah, I don't know, pleasure-seeking animals, whatever. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. I'm all into pleasure and the soul wants pleasure. I just mean, when I mean pleasure, I mean pleasure that, that has a purpose, that has a part of our goals and, and long-term gain. So is there anything I want to say before we end off today? Because, uh, you know, I spoke a lot. get a bit nervous when I speak a lot. <laughs> um, thank you. That was awesome. And Lauren, I agree with you with kids. Um, you know, it starts, it starts at home. It starts with parenting. And, you know, like I have, I have a nine and a half year old son and my goal is not to, to duplicate me. My goal is to empower him. Right. And he's going to make mistakes and he does make mistakes. And it's really interesting coming from a divided home to see the difference between, you know, wanting him to be figured out and become his own soul and his mother, who just wants to love on him, but not in a healthy way. And she's just doing it because she doesn't know. But, you know, what happened to dreaming? What happened to this, you know, and I think you're right, you know, Elliot, it's, it's long-term or short-term. So this all, like, Lauren, you know what I'm trying to do. There's so many components to it. It's not just, you know, law enforcement or first responders. It's teachers. And are we supporting them and giving them the right, you know, knowledge and information? Because regardless or not, the, the systems, period, have failed. Right. They've right. all failed. Yeah. Not just, they not are. just education. They've all failed. 
and 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 that's the mission that Ellie, you're on, and I think we're all on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I'm very much so. I have to say one thing, Jonathan, that. I don't like to reinvent the wheel, like meaning if there's a system there, and I demonstrate that in my work example, then you have to figure out how to, even as broken as it is, because it is broken, even in my workplace is broken, but you work out how to get the best out of it, because there's still a system, and right now that is the system. And to go make my own website, that's gonna, and my own infrastructure to support that whole story, that's gonna be like, you know, it's gonna take away from my mission. So I'm going to have to slowly improve what's there and enhance what's there and empower what's there and build up from within the system. Like I'm above the system, but I'm with helping from above to improve what's in the system. And so at least there's accomplishments and there's, there's a long-term plan and we're still together. That we're not lose, becoming divided as society. Because often what happens when you say you want to break the system, the problem becomes that now what I'm... Someone might say, well, I'm the system, like I'm Mr. Smith from the Matrix, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, sorry to choose that example, but I'm the computer, I'm the system. And now that means you're at war with me. So now you've made an enemy instead of a friend. And then that's not collaborating necessarily the way, because in the end, we are using big tech. We are using Facebook. We are using Twitter as much as everyone's getting down on them right now. We're all using their resources. So they created something awesome. It's just going in a difficult direction for everybody. But it doesn't mean that we can't figure out how to get it back on course or how to work with those people and communicate to those people. We don't want to become enemies of those people. You know, that's, that's what's bothered me a lot recently, that there's been a lot of good accomplishments from good people, but they've made somehow a lot of enemies. And when I watch that, I, I feel more pain um, than I feel happy because even... I don't want to just not, I don't want to be on the team. Like someone asked me about the Middle East crisis. You know, I have to choose sides. Which sides am I going to be on? Someone in London. I'm a podcaster and I've got to choose sides. I'm going to bring different people I'm going to choose. I said, who says you have to choose, man? Why can't you just work on, uh, as life goes on, finding the middle path of that communicates to both sides and improves both sides' situations so that they can learn to, on at least on some level, figure it out. Because in the end, they're, they're a human and they're a human. And there must be some mutual place where there, there is some, some room to work together. Even if it's something small in the situation. But that small little seed can lead to tremendous good things. I don't believe in making a rosy picture. It has to come from small little steps and for the long-term goals. So, so too, with, say, with your son. You know, I don't know your situation, but you know, it's going to be a long journey and it's little steps and even if there are people around who seem to be guiding not so right like the education system or a parent or whatever you and yourself are demonstrating that proactive positive role model example as best you can and that is all you can do after that it's their life you know and that my i've got teenagers teenagers is like a whole nother level the stuff they do you know i'm like so easy either sorry yeah the teenagers it's like oh my god like you know what they're doing and like so we've learned to like let go and when only choose very specific things that we know we can accomplish to discuss and right. work on exactly. and it's, it's all about being effective with 
choice and knowing the people you're talking to, where they're at, what they're able to do, and what they're not able to do, and really just slowly, slowly working on it very gently and sensitively and not trying to like come in and control and, you know, like <laughs> take over the show like of their life. And I think that that, that will lead to a long term, a, a good relationship with them and a lot of res mutual respect and love. And then there's, once you've got that connection, then there's always ability to grow together and have happy life. And, and Jonathan, I think one of the things too, especially with our own kids, is that, I mean, I'm also, my kids, I got divorced before my second one was born. Yeah. Um, he left, um, I guess I was due in, July, in August and he left July 1st. So Nora never really lived with her dad because he was already gone. Um, there was a lot of animosity forever from me towards him, but the kids didn't get it from me. Like we didn't have those negative interactions because my goal in life was not to badmouth him in front of them because it wasn't their issue, whatever yeah. issues it was between us. The long term. Yeah. The long term. So here they are 25 and 30 and they don't have a great relationship with him, but it's not my fault. No. It's right. his Yep. It's, it's right. what he put out towards them and how he didn't make them feel part of his family. And they tell me this as grown-ups, and I'm like, yeah. don't ask my opinion because you don't want to hear what I have to say, but I understand that it's hard for you. Yeah. Well, because yeah. now they're grown-ups. Now I can tell them what I am. Yeah, you, the relationship, because you've got that relationship, you can have that conversation now. And I've seen that. My oldest daughter, who's just got married, and it's amazing how much she's now conversing with us way more than when she was a teenager and not married because she suddenly understood so much and she's suddenly tuned in to us as parents on a whole different level as a married daughter. So it's really the long-term game that really proves the point. And it's so fulfilling when that happens. It's so like, oh, wow, we really laid good foundations. Oh, my God. It's unreal. It really is. And I think that one of the things that's so hard for you and for me because we haven't seen what Ellie's seen in terms of making the little changes is that when something that is so close to our hearts isn't working we want to like sort of turn it over and say look I got a better idea let's do this <laughs> and um, I'm watching it with my nursery school that I was committed to for all those years it's the synagogue is a great place but the school is falling apart because of bad decisions and Part of me wants to walk in and say, okay, I'll fix it. But 